same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri, and with me is the symbiote to my everyone that they possibly could put a symbiote into at this point <laughs> in Marvel. Oh, so I get to be your Dax? Ooh. Oh. oh. You mean Drax? Dax is from yeah, Star still Trek. A, still a symbiote. That's true. Oh, that's ah, fair. <laughs> and with us, the long suffering, <laughs> ever present source of taste and class in the group. <laughs> The Baroness of Ms. Jennifer Holland. Thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> and we actually have not one, but two guests for Ooh. this episode. I am happy to uh, welcome two Joshes. We have Josh Staley and Josh Forbes. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. This should be fun. Our Venom aficionados, and we'll get into it. Uh, but this episode will be on Venom, uh, both the Tom Hardy movie from 2018. We will be talking about Venom Dark Origins, the comic. And I'm sure we're going to backslide into the horror show that was Topher Grace's run in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I mean, we don't, we don't have to. Yeah. My favorite. <laughs> Just as so long as we don't spend more time on that than he was actually present in the movie, I'm fine with it. Oh, so 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, for anybody that has not listened to our season premiere of Tank Girl, uh, we ha are adding a little extra flair to the beginning of these flair. shows. Flair, he calls it. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, where each of us, well, each episode, one of us will come up with a themed drink. Since I came up with the idea for the, the, the concept for it, um, I'm doing the first at least two shows. We'll see if anybody wants to take from hell. Which is next. No. <laughs> <laughs> so on air, I'm going to introduce this uh, this concoction uh, that fits with our Venom episode. So I have in front of me a shaker with ice, a uh, jigger, and three shot glasses. And then in the magic bag, I, I have- I was gonna say, we're gonna pretend. Right, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Can we pretend on the From Hell episode? In the magic because bag. That's gonna be bad. I have the two ingredients for this simple shot. I'm okay with this so far. Lime juice. I'm still okay with this. Okay. This is called a snake bite. All right. Because venom. Get it? Okay. Uh, this could have been a lot worse. Yeah. No, I'm down with this. No, this is not like the, the how to drink episode we just watched where all he did was disgusting drinks. That was super disgusting. I mean, Foster's wasn't that bad last episode. I was just amazed that you could still get Foster's. Oh, it's still everywhere. Yeah. So while I am uh, preparing the, this, these shots, um, Josh Staley, you have been on our show before. You were on the, do we call it much maligned? Or you were on our Dark Phoenix episode. We had a great time <laughs> talking about Dark Phoenix. Not necessarily watching or reading Dark Phoenix. But Josh Forbes, you are new to our show. Oh, 
Okay. Yes. Fine. Proof positive that the drink was mixed. It looks much worse than I remember when I was in my twenties. I think we usually used Yukon Jack. Uh, yeah. for the shot. Yes. yes. And funny story, two different high V's and neither of them had a traveler of Yukon Jack. Cause I'm not keeping a whole bottle of Yukon Jack in my house. <laughs> no, no. All right. Clinky. Here we go. Uh, here we go. Through the teeth over the gums. Look out stomach. Here it comes. Good luck. I'll tell you when it gets there. Yeah, it did. Mm, snake bite. That needed more lime juice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that face you made? No, that's that's the lime juice. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like you said more lime juice, and then all I could taste was lime juice. I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, three parts whiskey to one part lime juice. Okay. Anyway. Maybe I just needed shook longer. Mr. Josh Forbes, your history with comic books. So I got, um, I got brought up in the Navy. Um, and when we uh, lived in Hawaii, my brother, Michael, actually got a job down from the school working at a comic book shop. So he would bring home just Conan the Barbarian was the one he brought home the most. And I remember sitting there, I'd never seen a comic book before. And I remember walking into his room, which was kind of a big deal. And he let me read some of them. And I just thought, I was just like, whoa, just the artwork of the old Conans. It just kind of blew my mind. And then ever since then, he would just bring me home. Uh, like Archie comic books at first, and then we kind of graduated to Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. I love people that grew up on Archie. <laughs> <laughs> but your first was was high fantasy Conan. I mean, they that was that was big boobs, big pets. Yeah, um, and it wasn't in, it wasn't the ones that were in color. So like the blood was black and uh, really great shading on it. You know, I'm making everything light and dark. And I remember that just sticking out to me how vivid it was. Not in color, but you still knew exactly what everything was supposed to be. And I was just, it was, I just immediately caught my eye. I loved it. That's awesome. So what is, uh, to date, your favorite comic? That's loaded. It's still, it's still going to have to be the Conan run. Um, my brother had all of them. He collected those. Um, still have those in sleeves, mint condition from the you know 80s all the way through Very the 90s. Very cool. And, um, That's awesome. Those are still my favorite, um, even when they started giving them in color. Um, then the movies came out. That was pretty cool. And then um, still my favorite. Um, whenever I get a chance to, when oh. he comes back to visit, he usually brings – we swap out three or four each, and then we just get new ones to read. And I still read them. I've read them over 100 times. And I still will sit down and read them every time. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever actually read a Conan comic. Well, that sounds like something we should maybe do for season four. Conan and Red Sonia, both go. in one. Sign me up. There you go. By Crom. I Crom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we, for this episode, will be doing Venom. So uh, we'll start with Staley and then go to Forbes. But what... Uh, what caused you both to jump and want to do the Venom episode? I just like talking, um, for one. So that's always <laughs> a good starting point. And if I have some idea of what I'm talking about, I enjoy talking even more. Um, for me, Venom was always uh, a character that, alongside Spider-Man being my favorite comic, um, you know, was, was present. And, uh, and I think a lot of the offshoot stories uh, and storylines that they've done with Venom have been entertaining. Uh, you know, the movie, um, both uh, instances of Venom appearing in a movie 
have not been quite what uh what I would have hoped for, you know, in my comparison of of growing up reading uh Venom and Spider-Man, but uh it was just another one that, you know, I remember pretty fondly from uh, you know, a big part of my fandom. So I like same with X-Men and Dark Phoenix. Uh it's not that I liked Dark Phoenix, but I love the X-Men. So here we are. I, all right. Josh Forbes. Uh, you know, Venom's one of those guys. It's always uh, kind of a re- you always like a really good bad guy, and, and it was always nice to see that Spider-Man. You know, had someone that he could go toe to toe with, and um, every time he was involved, it was always a good read. Uh, Venom just kind of stood out. I like the different arcs that they gave him over the years. Uh, you know, the anti-hero. Um, just I've always enjoyed Venom's runs. So um, the first question that I have will be for all five uh, people. How were you first introduced to the character of Venom, and has that first image changed over time? We'll start with you, Bear. Um, first introduction, honestly, would probably be through Spider-Man, uh, just various movies and, and stuff throughout the years. I always kind of knew that he was a Spider-Man villain, but it really wasn't until I think the Sam Raimi um, Spider-Man came out that I had really gotten to see him in action. I started to get a little bit more interested in him. Um, I've, I've discovered throughout this process, throughout this podcast and, and everything else that probably my favorite characters are are the anti-heroes. Um, Venom, yeah, not a nice guy, uh, especially from the Dark Origin comic. Like, Eddie Brock is really a terrible person. Yep. But as far as, like, the movie goes, the Venom movie, the most recent one, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I mean, he, Eddie Brock wasn't as, as much of a terrible person as he was in the comic, but for a very American audience, he's a little bit more relatable. Yeah, he's a prick, but he is definitely somebody that's just like, okay, well, I do have a line. I'm not a good guy, but I do have a line. He's right. kind of like the, just on the other side of the line of Batman. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah. they both have the same, they kind of, they have a line, and I'm going to say it's the same line, and one's on the other, you know, one's on one side and one's on the other. They both have a line, but I, I, I'm really more down with the anti-heroes, personally. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with you. And, I, you know, I'm, I'll just follow on um, your comment uh, and say my introduction to Venom was the Topher Grace oh. movie. <laughs> So Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3. Venom in that movie and Venom in the movie Venom. um, Yeah, that's changed over time for the positive, in my opinion. I, too, enjoyed uh, the Venom movie. um, And actually, for this podcast, was that's the first time I've read the comic. um, And I do not like... I really didn't enjoy it. it but was I wouldn't just... say it was, it, it wasn't the writing, it no. wasn't the artwork, it wasn't the comic itself. No, it's just not it my, was, my thing. It, yeah, I think it was probably along the same lines. It's just like in here, Eddie was already not even just not a good guy. He was really a terrible person. He was a psychopath. Oh, he was totally a sociopath, yeah. <laughs> 100% sociopath. Now, is that his fault? No. Just his, his upbringing and his family, he yeah. was always treated like yeah. he was a terrible person right. from literally the moment he was born. Can you do anything about that? No. Did he come up the best way he could? Eh, probably not, yeah. but you know, you work with what you got. Right. Josh Daly? Uh, the, the earliest 
clear memory I have of Venom is probably the Maximum Carnage uh, Spider-Man run, uh, which is still to this day my favorite uh, Spider-Man probably comic. Um, I remember Venom like here and there within other issues of Spider-Man up to that point, but that was the first one where he really stood out as the uh, that weird balance of like the philosophical good versus evil uh, in that it... Uh, I don't know. It, it was the most memorable for me. And uh, if they ever make a movie about it, like I called dibs on that podcast whenever down the road that might happen. That's funny because uh, I was going to wait till the end, but my it wasn't my introduction to Venom, but Maximum Carnage was the first 10 issue or 10 or 12 issue run that I went and found all of, um, you know, as a as a 90s kid. Um I went in, uh, I think I got the first two, I think I got four and six at a garage sale that somebody had been having. Nice. And then I had to go and, you know, dig through back issues. Josh Forbes? I remember seeing him in various, you know, Spider-Man comic books that my brother had around. Um, it never really just kind of stood out at the most part, but my first real exposure to Venom was uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, Spider-Man and Venom, Maximum Carnage. That was my first real exposure to, to Venom, like what he was really about. And in that game, it was pretty cool to play either as Spider-Man or you could play as Venom. And you got to kind of use both of them throughout the whole thing to kind of, you know, get through different levels. That was my first real exposure to Venom. And after playing that and loving that game, uh, that's when I started seeking him out more in different comics. Yeah, and we also haven't talked about another really good representation of Venom, and that was the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. Um, the one that that started after X-Men became the success that it was. Um, Couple, a few characters from Spider-Man were done really, really well in that. uh, Black Cat being another one. Awesome in the cartoon. Um, So in the movie, Venom, the 2018 movie, there were changes that were made to Eddie Brock's character, which we've talked about, obviously, the differences between him and the comic. He was more relatable um, and even they tone down a lot of his body count. I mean, people still die in the Venom movie, but they are not ripped apart in, in, well, <laughs> on the regular. You were just kind of getting introduced to him. Like, he, he hadn't really started eating people yet. There was no, there, the bonding hadn't happened. So, <laughs> like, you, you weren't just nomming people's heads off just yet. So I guess the question is, uh, do you agree with those changes that they made for the movie version? That make it more enjoyable oh for me absolutely um but like jen and i were just discussing it, there's nothing wrong with the comic the comic was just fine i just didn't like the character and yes they did a much better job of making eddie brock more relatable in the movie and personally for me uh and i know other people will disagree with me but i actually kind of like the fact that the movie introduced venom completely divested of spider-man Yes. Like, he's there. He's his own thing. Will they, you know, have the two of them come together later? Maybe, maybe not, whatever. As an, as an origin story, I really appreciated this. Daily? I agree with you guys in the comic. Like, not that the story was, like, not well written. Like, the artwork was great. It, it's, it's hard to like that story. And uh, the movie, I think, does a much better job, like you guys were saying, with... Uh, with making him a more relatable, likable character. Um, and I think that to speak to, uh, you know, the separation of like Spider-Man entirely in this origin story versus 
any other Venom origin story, pretty much. Um, like, he doesn't even have the arachnid uh, on the symbiote suit, which is that token symbol of the symbiote suit, whether it's Spider-Man wearing it in those runs or, you know, Venom pretty much in the entire comic history. Um, and having that not exist in the movie, uh, you know, I think it just further accentuates that separation of the, the this is how we're telling the story, no Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, what was it? <laughs> Do you agree with the changes in the movie version? Yes, I liked the movie far more than, than the book. Um, the graphic novel that we read, I, like I finished it and I'm like, that was a really long slog to get to a variation on with great power comes great responsibility. And I was mad at the end. I'm like, are you kidding me? I wasn't that mad. I but mean, like, yeah, no. I, I just didn't like it. Like, No, I was like, oh, come on. Seriously? We went through all of that to get to that point? Come on. I, I want to hear Forbes' response because I know he's a big fan and uh, I want to see where this He's ready to rip us apart, I think. So that movie, huh? Wow. <laughs> um, you know what? Let's put it this way. My kids, I love them to death. But I can tell if a movie is bad. I sat there and watched that whole movie. Just I had my arms crossed across my chest, just kind of staring Ooh. the TV down. Like I was mean mugging the whole movie. Araya, my favorite <laughs> people, was like, so dad, I'm going to assume you didn't like that. And I was like, why? And she's like, you just stared the TV down the entire time. Giving your giving your Samsung the stank eye. Yeah, I was just staring this movie down apparently the whole time. I wasn't laughing. I was just kind of like, mm. I just kept making faces apparently. Um, <laughs> my kids loved the movie. They like, this is a really great movie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then I went off with the kids. Here's everything I didn't like about it, and here's why. And then they, after like an hour, they're like, Dad, can we just go to bed? <laughs> I just didn't enjoy that movie at all. I, I, I got an hour. I got an hour. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, I mean, the movie itself, there was such high hopes for it. You know, you, you got this really great character that if you do right, you can just spin this off in so many different ways. And then just the entire way through, they pretty much screwed the pooch. Um, they try to make it, uh, they try to make it a comedy, which I get. And Tom Hardy, maybe not the best vessel for that. I'm also not right. a Tom, not a not Tom Hardy disagree with you. I'm not a Tom Hardy fanboy. Um, everyone's like, Oh my God, it's so great. He did the best he could with what he had. And it's like, no, no, he really didn't. He just kind of, he was there, which is uh, thanks for showing up, but we appreciate that. <laughs> Participation um, trophy. Yay. Yeah. I mean, well, the, I mean, come on, the character Venom, he's intimidating. It's supposed to be scary. And in this movie, they made him just kind of like, uh, oh, look, I'm your suit of armor. That's pretty much my only fun my only function here. The, just overall, I, I just didn't care for it. So now, if, you go, if you go into that movie not knowing anything about Venom, and then that's your introduction, I get it. That's probably going to be really exciting for you. But for me, it just, I stared the TV down, apparently. So that's a good enough answer for me. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I I don't know if you're going to do a standalone from Spider-Man Venom movie. I don't know necessarily that you want to use Eddie Brock. Um, you know, in, in, in a more recent comics, uh, Flash Thompson uh, was in the, the military, became a, a paraplegic after he took a spare bullet, either an IED or a bullet. Um, and then eventually got the Venom suit, the symbiote bonded to him, and he became Agent Venom, um, which 
when the symbiote's in him, he can Superhero, walk. Yeah. And, you know, and he actually would have been a more interesting character, I think, because Eddie Brock, you if you are going to do a Venom origin, whatever, separate from Spider-Man, you don't need Eddie Brock then. You don't need to go back to that character who was... Either people are going to have uh, Forbes' problem, where they're like, okay, well, you did a Venom origin, but it was nothing like Venom. You know, at all. At all, yeah. And, and you made Eddie Brock more likable, and you've got plenty of other people that wore the, or that bonded with the symbiote, you know? You want to use Venom as a villain in the future. You do the Mac Gargan, uh, you know, formerly Scorpion version of Venom. You know, if you want to do the good guy, you do Agent Venom. If you just want sheer chaos, you do Hulk Venom. Right. Or <laughs> Well, th- that's when you get to Carnage, which I'm, I am looking forward to seeing Woody Harrelson basically, you know, become Mickey Mallory again with a symbiote suit. Oh. I had never, I had never yeah. thought about it that way before. Holy crap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to add to like the idea of taking the Agent Venom story, uh, Rick Remender is one of my absolute favorites. And that entire story with like Flash as Agent Venom, uh, I I really enjoyed and it it was it was nice to read outside of what everyone expects the context to be for Venom. And I think what sometimes ruins your expectations of when he gets adapted to film anyways. Yeah. And I mean, and on the, on the other side of that, you know, on, in the sheer being a villain, you have the, the Mac Gargan version who, which one of the better parts of the uh, fallout of civil war in the comics was that Norman Osborn basically took over shield and um, formed his own superhero team, which was all, villains pretending to be heroes oh so, so we had the seven again kind of so you had like um uh, i don't remember if bullseye was like supposed to be captain america but it, like each of them had their own avengers like uh Larry. yeah yeah um and venom was on that team and he was supposed to be like the black suited spider-man and it was really well done but you know it was uh it was Matt Gargan Venom. So like he basically had to be talked down from eating people all the time. So I, I guess Eddie Brock is the middle ground there. If you want to talk like the anti-hero, because there is that run in the nineties and, and 2000s, whenever he has his own series, he's still killing people. He's just only killing bad guys. That's the deal that he's made, which they kind of get to at the end of the Venom movie. Right before he eats some guy's head that was going to rob a convenience store. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So um, the last question that I have here, and then I'll open it up to to others for any of their discussion points or anything that they want to say, is Venom a hero? We know he's an anti-hero, but can a character be both? I'm going to say no. You can't be both, a hero and an anti-hero. Um. Honestly, an anti-hero, in my, in, my, in my mind, in my opinion, an anti-hero is out there to basically break society's norms. Um, you're looking at characters like Punisher. You're looking at, to a certain extent, the Hulk, um, at least in, when we get into like the Immortal Hulk series and stuff like that. Um, some of those, you know, those darker, I'm, I'm here to weed out the bad elements of society, Blade, um, you know, different characters like that. 
I don't think you get to be both a hero and an anti-hero. I think the hero is there to uphold the laws. It's it's kind of that kind of that um, lawful good versus like chaotic good or lawful neutral kind of standpoint, where it's just like uh, I'm I'm here to do the right thing regardless of what everybody else thinks is the right thing or i'm here to do the right thing based because this is what the law says is the right thing right um i don't think he gets to be both and to go off on what bear was saying i mean i 100 percent agree with what you're saying there uh to expand what you were saying there it's like you know a hero is going to do what the, what it takes to get the job done with within certain parameters you know uh, they're only willing to go so far to an extent as where your anti-hero, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. You know what I mean? If, whether it takes killing somebody, seriously maiming somebody, taking down a city block, they're going to get the job done. The ends justify the means. The yeah, the ends justify the means exactly. And I don't I think know that, if I. The big distinction between both of them is. I don't. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say an anti-hero is going to say the ends justify the means, um, but they are definitely willing to go further. Like whereas you've yeah, got you know your. You're Superman and Batman that are never going to kill anybody to solve the problem, but you've got the Punisher who is going to just kill the people that he needs to. He's not going to go for go in for collateral damage. He's not going to be like anybody that gets in my way between point A and point B is just an obstacle, and we're I'm going to go through them. Right, but in the case of like Batman is a good example, and, and Superman, um, an anti-hero would then point out, okay. Well, by not killing Joker, Batman is responsible for how many deaths. That's fair, but he didn't commit those deaths himself. Right. Which is where where I'm coming in the difference between a hero, an anti-hero, and actually a villain. A villain, I, I can still see a villain being somebody that is going to do all the same things that someone like, you know, Blade or or Venom might do, but they're just gonna kill everybody that gets in their way to them. And be a hundred percent the ends justify the means, much like Magneto. Like you're gonna, you know, there's always gonna be some collateral damage and some casualties. Whereas you get other characters like Blade, they're just like, uh, I'm gonna do my best not to bring right. in, you know, not to hurt the people that don't need to be hurt, but I'm still gonna kill that guy. And I think that's what separates the hero from anti-hero part of the discussion is that Venom, even literally says in multiple instances throughout the comics that he's willing to, you know, kill so-and-so to get to like that end goal uh, or to find what he thinks is justice. Spider-Man, obviously everything that he does centers around, you know, ensuring that nobody is going to get hurt. Nobody's going to, so like that comparison of hero to anti-hero Venom surely throughout the comics uh, has multiple heroic moments Um, maximum carnage like I said you know my biggest probably introduction or um, you know uh, what what really led me to following more Venom uh, stories um, was maximum carnage where you know he's not a good guy he's still not a good guy throughout that entirety but he's fighting alongside the good guys for the common goal of taking down carnage and that is a heroic feat despite you know every other thing that he might do and killing this person or that person to get to whatever he's trying to accomplish. Ben, any thoughts? Yeah, well, I I find this an interesting conversation because in the the graphic novel that we read for this episode, there is nothing heroic or even anti-hero-like 
or Eddie Brock or Venom in that book. Oh, no. There is nothing redeemable at all for either of them. No, right. Which is, it's, uh, so this was recommended, the the, um, Venom Dark Origin was recommended as probably the best Venom story of the last 20 years. Uh, Maximum Carnage would obviously be uh, a really great one, mostly because Eddie Brock hasn't really been Venom. Um, off and on, other people have had the suit. He was anti-Venom for a while, which is a whole thing of its own. Um, but I, I didn't want to go f- as far back as Maximum Carnage, um, and I am not as familiar. And I actually really enjoyed this comic, but I enjoyed it because it is, I like um, I like taking a character's story and then really going through the lens of why they act the way they do. Um, and obviously this is a retroactive kind of origin reboot. Um, but I find that, that I was fascinated by it. I agree, I don't like Eddie Brock or Venom. Um, they, they're not enjoyable to read, but their situations and, and what happens within the comic in the context of the greater um, story, it's not as, I, I don't believe it's a spoiler because it's actually a big theme with Venom. Basically, it's all about how Eddie Brock was always the symbiote's second choice. Uh, the symbiote wanted Peter Parker. That that is the an symbiote point. wanted Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Peter Parker didn't want the symbiote, and Peter Parker rejected the symbiote. Whereas Eddie wants the symbiote. The symbiote is Eddie's first choice, and Eddie deludes himself into thinking that he is the symbiote's first choice. Yeah, the symbiote is the abusive boyfriend with the that still has the crush on his former lover. Yes. Absolutely, 100%. And that, instead of great power comes great responsibility, that was my takeaway from the comic at the end, was it was a tragic story about why one person would self-delude themselves into basically being a villain. Um, You know, because there are several choices throughout the comic that he can go one way or another. And sometimes he does go the better way and sometimes he does not um but all of it is for the same kind of goal of acceptance and i don't remember him ever going the better way yeah i was comic. gonna say can you give can, me can, an can example you point out, here's, here you go here's the comic point out one yeah i mean he didn't he kill the cat yep but he stole, <laughs> he the, stole cat the cat on purpose right to make himself look better when right. they finally realized it was missing and he gave it back because you can see all the previous scratches on his arm Right. Well, and he had it in a box in the basement. Yeah, so. and as soon as he went, like, he went down into the basement, he rolled up his sleeves. You could already see the scratches on his arms. Uh, we're spoiling the shit out of this. I'm sorry. Um, but he opens up the box, and then the cat's just like, eh? oh, and now I'm going to claw the shit out of you some more. Bring the cat outside, roll the sleeves back down real quick. Here's your cat. Yay. Yeah. I'm a hero. Okay, so uh, my one example, I remembered it wrong. You're right. Okay. I was just like, it was, I, the, it was the scene in the alleyway. Yeah, no, yeah, that was absolutely not. <laughs> he did not go the right way with that at all. He married that girl. <laughs> yep. So yes, I stand corrected. He did not make the correct choices. But 
Yeah, he is a hundred percent a sociopath in there, and it's that alone makes it a difficult read. It makes him really hard to like identify with the main character at all. If you look at the whole comic objectively, it's a cool story. But after that, I'm pretty much done. Right. Yeah, for me, it was a really long way to go for you know that the backstory Basically, to explain why he was so eager to yeah, take for on. for Peter Parker to look at him and be like, no. Actually, you're the asshole, and here's why. Right. Right. Well, as for the beginning part of origin, you know, with the way his uh, home life was, a product of his environment, uh, you know, if they really want you to try and feel sorry for him, they want you to be on his side, and then, you know, try and justify his actions, and it just it didn't work out. It was really flat. Yeah, 100%, yeah. I agree with you. They, they deliver it in, like, a Sarah McLaughlin sad puppy way, though, like, where obviously you <laughs> have a great deal of sympathy for it, and you're like, holy shit, these poor fucking dogs. I don't know I, I did. language on the podcast, sorry. No, no, it's fine. But, but, I don't know if you remember, but I there was imagine, a lot of swearing in Dark Phoenix. I didn't oh, imagine... Yeah, I, I'm glad I, I wasn't the first one. There's a lot of bourbon in Dark Phoenix, so swearing. <laughs> yeah, there was. At that point. I really didn't imagine uh, in the arms of an angel playing in the background while I was reading through the Venom comic, but I think I want to reread it again with that in my head now. <laughs> there you go. Arms of oh, the angels. Stop it. <laughs> I need more to drink. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, the, if, if the intent was to try and create sympathy for Eddie Brock, it sure did not. I mean, it did a little in the beginning. Yeah. It did not. Uh, no. Uh, for me, in the beginning, for me, a little bit, there was some sympathy because you had those few frames where... Basically the child part. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the very beginning where he's still a little kid and he realizes that his dad's lying to him when he tells his sister, no, it's not his fault. He didn't kill his mother. And he's just like, he's lying. Like, at that moment, okay, so now you see how he grew up, but like everybody knows nowadays, you come with a certain amount of software preloaded in your personality, and after a certain point, it's up to you to install the upgrades. Right. Yes. Right. That's, that's a great interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting way to put yeah. it. <laughs> All right, so, the moment of truth. I pretty much already know the answer to most of this, but Jen, <laughs> will you continue reading comics with this character are you interested in this character based on this comic um well i'm not interested in the character based on this comic but i would be interested in reading other comics maximum carnage i would be interested in reading um, yeah but i this one just uh, yeah i will say maximum carnage the reason that it does a very good job is if you think venom's bad uh, you put him next to Cletus Cassidy, who is Carnage, and then you really see what somebody who is batshit crazy insane does with a symbiote. No, I, I agree with Jen. Uh, I, I, while I wasn't the biggest fan of how this was written, um, I would probably read more by other authors. I would definitely like to go back and read Maximum Carnage that everybody else was talking about. Um, I still enjoyed the movie, regardless of what Forbes thought of it. <laughs> it won Toe for Grace. You, you know I love you, man. Oh, God, Toe for Grace. This Venom did not, for no reason, have sharp teeth. Fair. Like, like Eddie Brock did not have sharp teeth for no reason. 
That was that was. I thought you were an English major. You want to make that like rewrite that sentence so everybody understands his it? teeth. His teeth. Oh, all right. Took me a minute. I've been drinking. His teeth dish up. His teeth dish up. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would read more uh, of something other than than these authors. Forbes. Um, I actually have quite a bit to say about this one. Um, it was pretty good. Um, I was pretty impressed. Um, Wells did a pretty all right job of you know kind of working in some of the Spider-Man Venom lore from the different comic books into it a little bit here and there. Um, I Overall, I enjoyed it for the most part. For what it was, I enjoyed it. It's nice to have a little backstory about Venom, where he came from, and also seeing where the actual symbiote itself came from, too. I appreciated that. I thought that was pretty nifty. That was a pretty awesome part of the story. I, I really yeah, did like absolutely. that. And that part I read twice. Just I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I read it again, just kind of making sure I absorbed it. And I really, really enjoyed that aspect looking into it. Um, Medina, though, for the art, I thought some of the art was kind of overly done, if that makes any sense. A little over the top? Little, Yeah, a little over the top, but just, just a little bit, not a lot. Uh, the image of uh, the symbiote taking over Brock, and they showed him with the black eyes and the going into his mouth. Um, I, I like that. I enjoyed that. I thought that was quite visually nice. I was seeing that. I was like, oh, crap. Like, like let you know how far in the symbiote really is going with him and taking him over. Um, you know, hearing him talk to the symbiote um, was kind of a nice thing as well. I thought that was pretty enjoyable. But overall, I think most of the book itself, story-wise, just kind of fell flat. Um, I would be interested in reading more about Venom. Again, you know, Jen, Maximum Carnage, I highly recommend starting there. Um, Venom is, you know, this gave you kind of an interesting look at a character. Staley? Uh, to, to comment also on, like, that, that, uh, that panel... I guess that Forbes is referring to where Venom actually like the symbiote starts to take over Eddie Brock, uh, the panel that it cuts to with like a decent chunk of the Marvel universe. I, I wanted to bring that, that up too. Panel was fucking fantastic. Yeah. yeah that whole thing. So um, this is probably the time to say that I recently on my own time read a completely different take there is an Into the Venomverse. Are you shitting me? That they did after Into the Spider-Verse that has probably my absolute favorite version of Venom. And that is Steve Rogers with the symbiote. Oh. <laughs> but uh, pro- one of my favorite parts of that is is that you have all of these different people that have the symbiote and uh, like... I think Rocket Raccoon's in there with the symbiote. Nice. And like all these other people from different realities that got the symbiote. Basically, the Peter Parker that fully bonded with the symbiote is one of them. And when Eddie Brock shows up with the Venom suit, Peter Parker's like, seriously, this guy? No, we don't need this guy, guys. Like, he is the worst. <laughs> he's the worst of all of us. Like, <laughs> he's like, the raccoon is better than this guy. <laughs> I gotta read this. This has got to be just sheer comedy. Oh, it is. It comedy is gold. Just it is. It is as insane as Into the Spider Verse was, but without the like hunter eater character thing. Nice, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, so that's another one that w- that's fun because it goes into what if all of these people got the symbiote, which has always been kind of a fun, you know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, there's a there's a flat-out question for you. If you could put the Venom suit on anyone, who would you put the Venom suit on? Gosh. Oof. Knowing that the Venom suit is started from sheer survival is not 
a nice suit. <laughs> yeah. Who do you put the Venom suit on? It could be a hero. It could be an anti-hero. It could be a flat-out villain. Yeah. No, that's a... I have to actually think about that. I have two. Okay. <laughs> There's actually only one right answer. <laughs> of course, Forbes. No, I have two. Yeah. Uh, how about how about some women? How about uh, Captain Marvel? There you go. How about Damn. how about uh, Black Widow? Ooh, ooh, I that was makes just like a like a Spider Woman character with a spinoff story of a symbiote like Spider Woman. You could take. I mean, there's you could take Spider Gwen. Like you could take any of the that part of the Spider Verse. Uh, yeah, yeah. To do. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. What do you What do you got, Forbes? What about Batgirl? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Harley Quinn. Wait, wait, wait I was going to say, Quinn. which Batgirl? Barbara Gordon. Barbara Gordon, okay. I'm sorry, I changed my answer. Alicia Silverstone, please. <laughs> <laughs> that is Batgirl. Uh, I would definitely have to go with uh, flip it on, flip it on Deadpool. Uh, has happened, yeah. Oh, it has. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's How's a run where he's got a symbiote. It's, it's, it's yeah. it's exactly what you think it's going to be. The symbiote doesn't want him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. it's like eject, bail the body, bail the body. Well, I mean, you know, one hundred percent that the first person I want to put the symbiote suit on is is the Hulk, right? Yeah. But I mean, barring that, I think I'd have to put it on Blade. Nice. I'd go Doctor Doom. After thinking about it, I'd go Doom. Oh God, Doom! You because really... Doom would have the magics. And Doom would find out, and the science, so he'd find a way to clone the symbiote. Yeah, and, and he'd just, also make the deal with the symbiote. He'd be like, okay, but you're not going to outplay me. So Because he can't. He'd be like, basically make the Faustian bargain I, with the Venom suit. I, I want to see that. I want to <laughs> see that movie. I want to see that comic. I want to I I see that Doom and the Venom suit. Hmm. You got me. I, I, okay, I switched my answer. Doom and the Venom suit. <laughs> Likely the best Fantastic Four movie that you could even uh, that you could even get. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's got to be better than any of the other Fantastic Four movies that have come out. Right. What about putting Venom with Jubilee? I'm I'm down. That the Venom suit scared of noise yeah. and fire. Yeah. Fire. So yeah. yeah. So actually, best place to put it maybe on Siren. <laughs> I mean, as a thought. Banshee is. Banshee is ridiculous. He screams loud enough to fly. I know. <laughs> that's like that's like having a hero that farts hard enough to fly. Well, and see, that's 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 my problem with Banshee is that he screams loud enough to fly, but he flies forward where the sound is coming out of his mouth. Right. Which is the part that I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe it's the when he sucks air in, it pulls him forward. <laughs> that's just. Oh <laughs> What did you think about all like the basic tone genre changes that happened throughout the movie frequently? Like there were times that it was almost horror-esque uh, and there were times where you're like, oh, this is like a superhero-esque uh, movie. There were times it seemed like it was supposed to be a buddy comedy and like I feel like it bounced around a lot and that added to uh, not enjoying the movie, even though overall I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed that aspect. Uh, same here. I kind of, I kind of like when a movie. Okay, so objectively, the Venom movie is not great. Like the story is, we know what the story is, and it, but it's those tonal shifts that kept my attention. Whereas if it had been all horror, I may have been like, eh, like. 
you know, I liked the the quips and the one-liners and things like that, but that's also something that in the comic, the symbiote kept that from Peter Parker. Like the the quippy, you know, one-liner things that Venom says really isn't really a product of Eddie Brock because Eddie Brock is not smart enough to come up with them. It is generally the symbiote. So I, I followed it more that way. It was my problem really with uh, Raimi's, uh, well, with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, is that Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man didn't have the, while I am in a fight, I'm just going to run my mouth because I'm terrified and that's my defense mechanism. Because that's just you in a nutshell. Well, also true. <laughs> but uh, that's what the Tom Holland Spider-Man does so well is, you know, he's constantly bantering because, again, he is terrified. Mm. And you can tell that he's terrified. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with that whole statement. I think that now, if you would have made it a straight horror movie the whole way through, I probably would have still been interested. But I agree with Josh in the fact that what the movie lacked in story and plotline elements, I think that that constant shift from horror to buddy cop to you know all those el- different thematic elements um, really did keep my attention a little bit more i think it, it just kind of kind of perked me up and and made me pay more attention to the movie as a whole all right josh daly josh forbes thank you so much for joining us today uh we we will definitely keep an eye out for for upcoming episodes and see what we can get you back on for uh staley second time hopefully this was a little less uh painful than the first time <laughs> I, I don't know i felt more prepared for the dark phoenix one to be honest uh, I, I watched this movie when it came out like i think it was on hbo go pretty immediately after uh you know after it was done in the theaters um I've tried to rewatch it earlier this week and I only got like 45 minutes into it and I fell asleep. Um, so, so it wasn't super fresh for me as far as the movie, but there were like a lot of things that I remembered uh, chuckling about, but overall not liking, but yeah, 100%. Uh, this was, I was less nervous to be on this one, even though I felt less prepared, uh, I guess just because it was my first time being on the prior one. And yeah, we uh, drink, we bullshit. It's pretty easy. Yeah, that's yeah. I did two shots before we even started just to get a head start. Forbes, first time your graphically novel cherry is popped. Do you have a good time? I did. Uh, it was a really good time. Uh, it was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. I wasn't sure how in depth we were wanting to go. So I had a lot, I was looking forward to doing Conan. Excellent. I would love to have you back for that. All right. Absolutely. Tentative for season four. Yeah. Conan Red Sonia episode. I got to throw Red Sonia in. Because how do you have to come in without Red Sonia, really? Yeah. All right. Uh, Please tune in next week when we will be doing From Hell. From Hell. We're going back to Alan Moore. So From Hell is an appropriate title. (laughs) (laughs) And we will have Bear's baby brother, Luke Weezer. little brother going to be here. Yep. We'll be be on for that show. So Two Weezers on the show. We had three Joshes this week, two wheezes next week. There you go. Wow. With that, thank you very much for listening. This has been Graphically Novel, and take it away, Vandello.
same old trouble Villains always knocking at the door Pretty pictures on the page But nothing ever stays the same Do, 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 do Do, do, do. 